Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, you're listening to the Red Sea Podcast. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. Keaton DeRocher and Bob Osgood. Sale winds, he fires. Swing and a miss, thankfully it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome back to the Red Sea Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux. Today I am joined by Keaton DeRocher and Bob Osgood of Over the Monster for episode 285 of the show. Gentlemen, welcome back. Uh, we have our regular day, our regular uh, booth here. So uh, how are you guys doing? Let's start with you, Keaton. What are you up to these days? Uh, not much, man. Just hanging out, you know, living the dream. Okay, okay. Bob, how are you doing? Good. Getting ready for the 4th. I, I would say it's my favorite, uh, my favorite holiday of the year. You know, take the 3rd off, get a little 4-day weekend action. How many pairs of jean shorts do you own? I don't own any jean shorts. What about you? Well, then how can you say that 4th of July is your favorite holiday? I need to wear jorts to enjoy the 4th of July? (laughs) What's more American than that? Plenty of stars and stripes items that I can go with instead of jorts. Mm, Doesn't sound like you're doing it right. Should I buy a pair this week? That is an unusual uh, holiday to be your favorite holiday. I don't think I've ever met anybody whose favorite holiday was the 4th of July. So can you uh, explain why you have such an affinity for it? 
Um, I'm a huge summer guy in general. I am fucking miserable all winter from like October to early March. Um, and I just prefer to be outside, enjoying myself, cookouts, playing a little baseball, watching baseball, um, having a few beers, going to the beach. That, that 90 days that I get right there, I got to make the most of it. And there's really only, you know, one holiday in between all that time that, um, you know, set off fireworks, all that stuff. I love all of it. Um, and it's just kind of, I've always been a summer guy. All right. Well, and I think most people, you know, when September comes around, football and turning the page to that, and I don't know. That's the downswing for me. The days are getting shorter. Yeah. Is that too hot of a take for this podcast? I'm sorry. No, I, I think it's I think it's a good take. It's just, uh, it's definitely counter to uh, what, you, what you'd expect. Like, for me, I'm a, I'm a huge fall guy. I love fall. Um, yeah. But... I don't know, Keaton. What's your favorite season? Fall and winter. I uh, I love the dark and the cold. All right, you're pretty much the opposite of Bob, then. Yeah. Do you well, really love the dark and the cold? I do. Yeah. Mm, okay. I couldn't tell if you were just. I mean, not that I don't enjoy summer and the yeah. long days. I just uh, I always feel more motivated in the the chillier weather. Interesting. Nine o'clock right now. We still yeah. a little daylight out there. I love it. That's yeah. 8 o'clock. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. You're right. All right. Well, let's get to some baseball here uh, during Bob's favorite season. Uh, since the last time we spoke, the Red Sox have hit, uh, been hit with a few more injuries. Um, and we're going to go through a few of these uh, just because last week we had the special guest, Chad Jennings, on the show. So we didn't really get to hit on a lot of these. So let's do the rundown. Uh, Reese McGuire hit the 10-day IL with a strained oblique. Pablo Reyes, uh, 10-day IL with a strained abdominal. Corey Kluber, the 15-day IL with shoulder inflammation. Tanner Houck, the 15-day IL with a facial fracture, and uh, he has had the plate inserted into his face at this point. John Schreiber, Chris Sale, and Yu Chang were all transferred to the 60-day IL, um, and those dates for Schreiber and Chang were retro to when they went on the IL. Um, and as a result, we've got Caleb Hamilton is now the backup catcher. Bobby Dahlbeck is back up as a bench piece. And David Hamilton has been starting at shortstop for about half the time, splitting reps with Kike. So, Bob, out of this list of injuries here, which of these is most impactful, do you think? Uh, and which are you sort of most interested in talking about? Um... I would say Tanner Houck would be most impactful and I'd want to talk about that just because of where we're at with the rotation now and might talk about it a little bit later, but we'll start bringing it up now. I mean, that was obviously a really tough injury to watch and, you know, really glad that Houck is okay and it's, uh, you know, still has a career in front of him because it could have been so much worse. But at the same time, if you, you know, talk about it from a roster perspective, um, let's say like maybe a month ago when Corey Kluber got sent to the bullpen, we said, you know, why hasn't he just been released at this point? And we talked about last year, and honestly, it was probably this time of year, a year ago, leading into the all-star break and the back end of the all-star break where 
they had to go down to the minor leagues and have a lot of call-ups. Uh, there was quite a few pitchers that were on the IL. And when we had that topic here, it was, I mean, if you think it was Sale, Whitlock, Bayo, Paxton, and Houck, you know, really solid five-man rotation that you could see how do you line that up in a playoff series kind of thing. And then Pavetta and Kluber got moved to the bullpen. And then you had Cutter Crawford as, as the eighth guy. And then Murphy and Walter and Drohan were your 9 through 11, you know? So it's incredible how quickly that's changed um, with Sale going out, with Hout going out. Um, Kluber's now on the IL, as you mentioned, you know, quote-unquote, with an arm injury. Um, and Pavetta's actually kind of settling in and becoming a reliable reliever with Schreiber out. They kind of need him in that role. It's a weird-looking rotation right now. They don't even have five names to put into that rotation, and it includes Crawford, who was the eighth guy when we talked a month ago. And you've got Murphy, who's been called up, and Walter has been called up as openers and followers and all of that. And we're getting into that 9-10 range. <clears throat> and, you know, if you if you compare, I think it was, was it Chris Bassett who got hit a year ago? I, I, I remember seeing someone that, that got back within a month or so. That's kind of best case scenario. Could be two, three months uh, with Hulk, but um, you know that's just that's a tough arm to lose, and you're really relying on Whitlock, Bayo, and Paxton, who you know Paxton has been a little bit kind of shaky, left early with the uh, in the last start. So we knew this could happen with all of the the injury concerns and the rotation, and it got here a lot more quickly than I would have anticipated. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, and the, I think the thing that surprises me a little bit is that Tanner Houck is only on the 15-day IL. I was a little surprised they didn't transfer him to the 60 because as I was telling you off the air um, when this happened, my brother had this same surgery. He had the same thing happen to him, and he had the fracture in three places and has a couple titanium plates in his face um, as a result of this. And, um, you know, he was out for well over a couple months. So, yeah, uh, I would not be shocked if we don't see Tanner Houck before August, honestly. So I think this is going to be something that the team has to deal with kind of long term. So you mentioned that the team's currently down to a starting rotation of Paxton, Whitlock, Bayo and Crawford. Keaton, I want to ask you, I mean, where do they go? to figure this out um, over that time period. If, if you know, how really is going to be out till you know, late July, early August, maybe even late August, we don't really know what his timeline is at this point. They can't go with just a four-man rotation for that long, can they? No. Well, I suppose, I mean, well, all the way through August, probably not. Maybe to... Uh, the all-star break we're what two weeks away from that um, they have a weird schedule on the other side of it too they have a lot of off days in late july yeah so i mean i guess i guess theoretically yes should they no <laughs> <laughs> i they i don't think so um but then they, they also don't have a ton of really obvious answers internally i guess um 
the most obvious internal answer would probably be Pavetta, but as Bob already outlined, he's really kind of thriving in the reliever role. Um, and you probably don't necessarily want to pull him out of that. Um, but if you're pinched for it, you may be kind of forced to. I'd like to see them go outside the organization to do it, but I, I just I'm not sure if they will pull the trigger on that, though they have talked about wanting to add pitchers here as we approach the trade deadline. Um, given the injuries, I would hope maybe that kind of accelerates that priority and, and then being maybe a little bit more aggressive if that's really really the, the approach they want to take. Um, and then potentially that can be filled that way. But um, guys that we thought were going to be available as kind of depth options in the upper minors haven't really um, blossomed the way we thought that they would. Like we probably thought Mata might be here, like kind of right around now. Um, but that's obviously not going to happen. Um, I guess Walter did make his debut and maybe potentially that's an option. Um, I just, I feel like, if they're, they're forced to go with a fifth internally, Pavetta makes the most sense. Um, and I feel like that's kind of how you're probably going to have to address it. But I don't don't feel great about it. I don't think you feel super thrilled about the way that rotation shakes out after that. But um, just given the injuries, they don't really have any other option. Yeah, I mean, the way that I feel about this is that if we think the Red Sox are going to be buyers, which, you know, Spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about the Red Sox being buyers uh, later in this show, and we're going to be throwing out a lot of names for for targets. Um, The Red Sox need to be buyers now. They need to not wait until the deadline. Um, There is a lot of time between now and the trade deadline, and that's a lot of valuable time, especially for the Red Sox being where they are right now. Um, You know, they're they're just one game above 500. They're off today as we do this podcast on a Monday. Um, they're still last in the AL East, but they're just three games back of the third wild card spot, trailing the Angels, the Astros, and the Jays. But, you know, if they go out and address this starting pitching problem with getting a legitimate pitcher, I and mean, maybe even a guy who can fit in towards the top of that rotation. I think that would really uh, solve a lot of their issues and put them in a better spot. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about all the reasons why we we think that they'll be sellers. And we hit on a lot of them last week um, when we had Chad Jennings on the show. But um, everybody's job's on the line. And I think the thing that's starting to freak me out a little bit is even looking at the four guys who are there right now, James Paxton exited with that knee soreness, which luckily didn't seem like it was going to be a big deal. I mean, Cutter Crawford has had injury issues. Garrett Whitlock's had trouble staying healthy. I think this thing could potentially get worse um, because it's not like you've got a bunch of iron men uh, in that rotation right now. So yeah, I think it's even more incentive for them to go out and address starting pitcher. Um, and and I don't want to rob from the bullpen with uh, putting Nick Pavetta uh, back in the rotation. We've been there. We've done that. He certainly looks a lot better in the bullpen. And really, he's your fourth best reliever at this point. You've got names like Bernardino and Garza and Jakes and Ort and Murphy, um, you know, behind him. So you really can't afford to lose 
Pavetta from that bullpen either. So you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul if you're if you're doing that. Yeah, they're not really in a position where they can withstand another one, and they're also not really in a position where they can like comfortably manage the injuries they currently have. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. Um, Keaton, one one of the other things that uh, we wanted to mention here is the only guy that I didn't mention as being an injury risk is Brian Bayo. Um, he's been phenomenal this year. He's been going deep into games. But you noticed that he also added a cutter recently. So what were your thoughts on that development? Yeah, that was interesting. And um, I think it was Red Sox stats who pitched it out or uh, tweeted it out after the game that uh, a new cluster of pitches appeared on the radar for him. Um, they weren't classified as cutters because he didn't have anything uh, like that previously, but it looks like um, that has since been adjusted on uh, at least Baseball Savant there because they're showing now that he has um, the cutter classified, so I think that got retroactively applied for him. Um, and it's, it, I think it's just kind of interesting because they're – particularly this year kind of across the league there's like a renaissance of pitchers adding cutters um and with the Red Sox included there's there's kind of a handful of guys that are uh, dipping into that and I just kind of think it's interesting to see Bayo um testing it out and I thought the results were kind of interesting uh he threw it nine times so it's not like it was a a huge chunk was really just kind of dipping his toes in the water um mostly to right-handed batters seven of the nine went to right-handed batters across uh, four plate appearances uh, and all four plate appearances ended in a batted ball event so there was uh three outs and one double which it's just kind of funny to see that pitch listed at a zero percent put away percentage (laughs) small sample but still just kind of fun to see that there but I think it's interesting to see him kind of tinkering and making these adjustments um, and really kind of mixing in a new pitch on the fly at this point in the season, in the middle of the year. Um, Normally you don't see that, but I like it. I like him kind of mixing that up and keeping guys off balance um, by throwing that, that cutter in there. And I'm really interested to see uh, one, if he continues to, to throw it in there, Uh, going forward obviously he didn't have um a ton of success um trying to quickly uh he did get some whiffs on it so that's good um looks like two of the nine he got whiffs on um so the guys did miss it so i'm interested to see if the the usage at all continues going forward and how it evolves as uh he continues to to throw it um but I just think it's really interesting that he's he's really he's adding a fifth pitch to his mix. Yeah, I mean it's not a bad thing for a guy who throws as hard as he does and has a, a good two seam and a good uh, slider as well. So it seems like a natural pitch for him to add. So I'm sure that it's not going to really uh, impact him negatively trying to add it. So hopefully it works yeah. out for him. It's definitely an interesting development. Uh, good pitcher getting getting another weapon is always a good thing. Um, Bob, conversely, a guy who we've talked about a lot on this show as uh, maybe being a little bit disappointing in that he didn't work out as a starter is Chris Murphy, who has now been converted to a reliever. 
Um, he's he's working in a multi-inning relief uh, role right now with the team as they are a man down in the rotation. Uh, he may line up for a start against Miami in this upcoming series. Um, you know, probably won't go a full starter's load, maybe two, three innings here. But he's looked really good in the relief role. So, you know, do you expect Murphy to continue to have success in that role? Or what kind of things have you seen from Murphy, um, especially as he's converted to a reliever? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think, so I don't expect him to have the same level of success, but they started to push him that direction putting an opener in front of him, having him go two or three innings. And I feel like coming up, um, a lot of the scouting reports were that he probably, you know, before they had the the three batter rule that he could be a lefty specialist or that he could be a two or three inning long relief guy. I never got the vibe, um, even though he was successful with, at certain levels, you know, when he got to double A in 2022, he had a 2.58 ERA and the strikeouts at a lot of those levels were 10 or 11 per nine, you know, just kind of listening to, you know, the Sox prospects group and all of them. I think they all kind of felt like because of a lot of the platoon splits that he had getting crushed by righties um, and was a lot better against lefties that he probably wasn't going to be a starter long-term. So I think this is the right role for him. I just don't know that he's going to hold up with the control. You know, it's only eight innings, but he's walked one um, and he has struck out 11 in those eight innings. He hasn't given up a run yet, right? But at AAA this year, he was walking five and a half per nine um, and striking out a little bit less than 10 per nine. So I just don't, I'd be surprised if the control stays as good as it has been. You know, his left on base percentage is 100%. You know, the bad nips low. Obviously, he's not going to be this good but I think it's it's encouraging and between him and Walter who both if you looked at their AAA numbers in a vacuum you would say that they didn't really deserve their call-ups right Walter has a 6.28 ERA his K minus walk is 13 percent this year after it was in the 30s at high A and double A you know they got to AAA neither of them really emerged and showed that they deserve that spot, but they've been kind of thrown into this role, both of them. Um, Murphy's been good in three games, and Walter held his own in that one game. So, you know, I don't know that we can say that definitively, but it's been a, a encouraging start for Murphy, and, you know, this is probably the role that he should be in, the two-three-inning role that, um, you know, Cora has shown that he wants to have two, three, four of those guys in the bullpen. Yeah, I agree. And I think that kind of echoes some of the things that Jeff Ponce told us when he was on uh, Jeff of Baseball America a couple episodes ago. You know, the the biggest strength of Chris Murphy is that he does get in that pitch lab and really work on things. And uh, you, you mentioned the fact that he got hit really hard by righties. I remember that he came back and really corrected that the following year and improved a lot against right-handed pitching. So, yep. or right-handed hitters, I should say. Um, so he's a guy who's pretty much maxed out at this point. You know, he's constantly going to work on tinkering things, but from a physical standpoint, you know, you're probably not going to see much more than what we're seeing here in the relief role. The the good thing about Murphy is that his velocity has ticked up in the relief role, which is 
something that you'd like to see. Um, so I think he can be a useful major leaguer as well. But yeah, certainly uh, not a starter uh, long term. But you know, for for the meantime, before they get somebody to plug the hole, he's he's a guy who's going to be a source of some valuable innings uh, for this team. But looking down at AAA, I was actually at the uh, game on Sunday in Worcester, and uh, it was started by Shane Drowen, so I had an opportunity to see him. I was sitting three rows behind home plate, so I had like a very good view of his repertoire as well. Um, and and it was kind of cool. Um, you know, I didn't get to see Sedan Rafaela because he was just promoted the next day. Uh, when I was there, but I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the depth that's still at AAA, um, you know, because we've been talking about how all this depth is getting tested for the Red Sox, but Enmanuel Valdez is still down there. Um, he didn't have a great game when I saw him, but, you know, he's still an option. We've seen that he can hit major league pitching. Steven Scott is down there. He was recently promoted. He's a catcher. Um, I want to get back to him in a second because he's really impressive. Willier Abreu, I saw, Nick Sogard, Shane Drowen, as I mentioned, and Jolie Rodriguez. So I guess I'll start with uh, Steven Scott here. Um, this is a guy who I have always kind of liked, and I always thought he was a pretty good hitter. I first saw Scott um, at Lowell in 2019, um, and he hit pretty well there, but since then he's really kind of cut down his strikeout rate. Um, he's always a guy who's been able to walk, uh, kind of a lot and he's hit pretty much at every level. Uh, he hit an absolute tank, uh, at, at the game that I was at, it was right basically to, uh, right center field. Um, just kind of a rocket. Um, Looks very confident, takes a lot of pitches, has a ton of power. He's a guy who used to play first base, and the organization converted him to catcher. I think he's interesting because now he's at the point where he's kind of knocking on the door uh, to the major leagues. And, you know, we just saw the Reese McGuire thing, you know, him going down and them calling up Caleb Hamilton, who's basically a glove first guy. He doesn't really hit. Um, so I wanted to kind of get some feedback from you guys. Steven Scott, he's 26 years old. Um, you know, do you think he's an option potentially to fill that backup role, maybe even as soon as next year? Um, I, I feel like he could be a third, you know, your third guy on the roster who can play catcher, but can also play other positions. Um, I mean, I think of like Jorge Alfaro would be perfect right now, right? You know, that <laughs> yeah. ship has sailed. But God, we talked about him for so long. And then, of course, freaking Reese McGuire gets hurt like 10 days after Alfaro is gone. And he's DHing in Colorado. Um, and, but Scott is, he could be that, but he doesn't have the arm that Alfaro had. Right. Um, so. I feel like he's just kind of more of that, all right, he's a third guy who can play catcher if you pinch hit or pinch run for one of the catchers. I don't know that that, um, just knowing kind of about how he is defensively, it just seems like he's not good enough defensively for the minor leagues, never mind up here. So it would be more of kind of like that, um, you know, move around, pinch hit, EH a little bit type of role, which isn't impossible because he has had some really good 
numbers uh, in stretches uh, throughout the minor leagues. You know, shown some power. But I don't know. I just I, I don't know if he can quite get there to be someone you're relying on for a whole season. Yeah, I suppose it might be wishful thinking with the defense for him to to get there. But offensively, very, very exciting player. Um, definitely impressed me. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Willier Abreu I saw as well in the outfield. Um, He hit a couple balls really hard. Um, Certainly, I think the thing that stood out to me with Abreu was just the size. He's a big dude. Um, You know, he's not having a statistically amazing season right now. 263, 375, 463. It's pretty good. Um, But, yeah, definitely an interesting player. He was one of the guys in the Christian Vasquez deal uh, who came over. He's come on, right? I think that he started pretty slow, if I remember He did. Correctly. He had a very slow start. He's been really hot lately, and he hit a ball completely on the screws that was caught, um, you know, directly to, to an outfielder. But, um, yeah, he, he looks the part. I mean, you can definitely see why the Red Sox were attracted to him. I think maybe the most interesting guy down at Worcester that nobody's talking about, and I think... Um, Ian Cundell actually has talked about him a couple times as Nick Sogard. Um, he, he played shortstop when I was there. He's really smooth in the field, makes a lot of plays, hits the ball pretty well. Um, he's not on the 40 man, but with the middle infield issues uh, that the Red Sox have had, he's pretty interesting. Right now his line at AAA is 296, 393, 389. So he's a light hitting dude, but... I mean, very competent, um, and eleven That's stolen bases OBP. as well. So, yeah, I I don't know. I I feel like he's a pretty interesting guy, Keaton. I mean, any interest in Nick Sogard here coming up to you know play one of these middle infield roles, a guy who can kind of play shortstop, second base, third base, and uh, maybe not strike out a ton. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in any solution that gets Kike Hernandez. Basically, like <laughs> back to much more comfortable position. Um, yeah, anything. Yeah, and that um, you know, going back to basically like the first segment here, where we talked about all of those injuries and which one was kind of like the most um, impactful. I think the correct answer is is Tanner Houck, as Bob pointed out. But Pablo Reyes, I think, is kind of a close second because now we're back to uh, Kike Hernandez splitting time. Yeah. At short, and he's splitting time with Hamilton, who is basically rushed to the majors 
uh, and um, has really kind of struggled immediately right off the bat here. Um, it's only been four games, so it's obviously not a massive sample size, but he looks overpowered at the plate right now. Obviously, on the base paths, he looks fine. Um, but any other option to really kind of find some kind of solution to the middle infield, I'm all for. And um, obviously, the the power there for Sogar is not really going to blow anybody away. Uh, but the plate discipline... And the contact is incredible. Um, as you pointed out, the defense does enough, looks real smooth. Definitely could be extremely interesting as to, to plug a hole somewhere there until these guys come back and, and maybe kind of have something much more effective as an option. Um, but we just we keep thinking there's light at the end of the, the Kike tunnel here, and then something happens where he, he's forced back into action there. And it's, we just, we've, we've seen enough of it now. We know it's going to be a disaster and we just kind of have to weather it. The worst yeah. case scenario became an even worse case scenario since we last talked. And that's a good point that, you know, we talked about Reyes and how, all right, like how far down the list we had to get. And you mentioned that Yu Chang is on the 60 now. Right. Right. So maybe Nick so, Sogard isn't that far away at this point. And I, I yeah. don't think it would be a problem to add him to the 40-man. I mean, looking at the 40-man, there's probably about four or five guys who we really wouldn't care if they were taken off of it. So, you know, maybe Sogard, maybe Steven Scott, he would also be have to be added, you know, if they need a little bit more offense, backup catcher for a while, depending on how bad that injury is. But... um. The guy who I really want to talk about was Shane Drowen, who I was kind of most excited to see uh, when I was there on Sunday, because he's now pretty much the top prospect for the Red Sox in terms of pitching prospects uh, in the system. And as we mentioned with all the injuries, I mean, he's relatively relevant at this point. You know, it's it's really between guys like Drowen and, and Walter and, and Murphy at this point for the immediate depth. Um, when I saw him, he pitched well, but he exited in the fourth inning because he was dealing with some cramping. It was only 85 degrees, but the real field temperature was like 98, uh, during the game. So it was pretty, pretty brutal out there. Um, fastball was right in line with what the reports have been, you know, 92 to 93, 94, Um, I didn't see him go above 94 in that particular start. Um, I didn't see him throw a curveball. Maybe I just missed it, but didn't see that pitch really at all. Um, Saw the change up in in the cutter kind of a lot. I think that's a relatively new pitch for him was the cutter. Um, Saw him throwing that a lot. But the thing that I kind of noticed with with Drowin was... You know, really good mechanics, very smooth, athletic delivery, looked very repeatable. I'm certainly not a scout, um, but there was a lot of hard contact off of him, uh, even as, you know, a guy who's in in AAA, obviously not facing uh, major leaguers at this point. I feel like I just want to sort of tamp down the excitement about Shane Johan because I, I think there's been a lot of helium about him. Um, this year because of the breakout that has happened. 
But really, I see a guy who's probably like a fourth or a fifth at best and probably more towards that fifth um, because guys can square him up um, and hit the ball pretty hard. And he kind of relies on his defense to do a lot. So he was uh, impressive, but certainly not one of those guys where you leave and you're like, oh, my God, this is like the next sure thing. It's all about when it happens, right? Like what part of the season um, in terms of the enthusiasm about the player. If he started the year at AAA and had these numbers, we wouldn't have talked about him at all this season. But he started the year at AA and had a 132 ERA in six starts and was 5-0. and And since he's gotten to AAA, he's averaging more than six walks per nine and under eight Ks per nine. His ERA is 5.03 in eight starts. So it's a lot of that has to do with just how he came out of the gates uh, in double A with just such great improvements up a tick or two, you know, with, as you mentioned, with a new pitch, <clears throat> but then he got to triple A and it's been, um, you know, it, it has stopped quickly. And I, I don't think he's even close to in consideration right now. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, the other you thing say I got that to... you want to kind of slow the hype though. What's did that? I, did I hear that correctly? You want to slow your own personal hype, or just yeah? I think all you of know, the hype in general. I I think for for me, hearing his name so much in the early season, especially with all the gains that he's made, you know, with with different pitches and um, you know, just being relatively athletic and kind of climbing the ladder. It wasn't a super high pick. I think he was a fifth rounder. Um, I think people started to kind of dream on Shane Drohan a little bit more. And I'm just trying to tamp that down as to like, if he turns out to be a five, don't be disappointed. If he turns out to be a, a rotation guy at all, like I think that's a pretty good outcome. Well, allow me to pump the hype for a moment then. <laughs> okay. Because uh, right before we hopped on, the uh, 2023 Futures rosters was announced. The Red Sox got three representatives, Marcelo Meyer, Nick York, and Shane Drowan. Wow. I'm very happy for him. Oh, he certainly great. deserves it. Yeah. Keep I'll freaking watch. out, Jake. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. So, Keaton, do you think he's going to be more than a fourth or fifth starter? Sure. <laughs> All right. I like the Why enthusiasm. Not? Yeah. Why not? So, Keaton says keep dreaming. All right. Um, the other guy I saw late in the game was Joey Rodriguez. He was on a rehab assignment. He should be back soon, you know, based on what I saw. Um, you know, he was he was very effective. I mean, he looked looked normal for him. Um, I'd be surprised if he wasn't activated this week. Uh, the thing that I wanted to say about Joey Rodriguez, though, because obviously I haven't seen him from this angle before, crazy deceptive. Honestly, like there's a lot of deception in that delivery, a lot of like weird little hitches. Um, seems like a tough guy to square up. So hopefully if he's fully healthy, he comes up and he can be a little bit more effective this time around. I don't know what you guys think about Jilly Rodriguez, but I was a little surprised at the amount of deception that I saw. He had you fooled? Oh, Definitely. I think he needs a restart, you know, that it, it just, maybe he wasn't ready the first time around, but he needs to throw strikes. 
and he's got uh, a high walk rate for his whole career. And he did not throw strikes in his first time around. Um, you know, again, it just it, it's almost like they, all right, let let's start this over again. And that's why I, I don't know how much of a because <laughs> he was just he he wasn't ready for whatever reason. And <laughs> here we are, we're at the halfway point of the season. You know, that's going to happen this week, and he's thrown four innings for the team. Um, Geez, I mean, you just you look at the staff, you look at this bullpen. It's not even close to what we anticipated, and there's very little excitement that jumps off the page with these names. So I, they very much need Joely Rodriguez to be, you know, another arm in the pen, a lefty in the pen um, that can provide the deception that Jake's referencing with a good fastball. But it's all about throwing strikes for him. But they need another arm back there. You know, we love these guys, and not only do we love these guys. But we love to react this way about these guys. Like these guys that walk a ton of guys, walk a ton of batters, have nice strikeout ratios, but walk a ton of batters. And our reaction every time is, hey, if they just don't walk people, <laughs> dude's 31. He is who he is. We should yep. have expected this. So you're saying the Tiger's not going to change his stripes at this point. He is what he is. Yes. <laughs> just accept the walks. But, like, I mean, it was an incredibly small sample size. I'm not expecting his walk rate to stay at 13. Yeah. But, like, yeah, he's going to walk, guys. But he's been able to usually limit the damage in general. So I feel like. Okay, do you want to bring back Darwin's and Hernandez instead? No, I don't. No. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's who I immediately think of when you talk about people who walk everybody and hopefully strike up more guys than they walk. And I guess I'm just sick of watching a stream of these people who've come in year after year. That's why The other lefty that I always reference that is in Chicago or was, who did we have last year? Dickman. Yeah, the Dickman. Just, I don't know. That's why Chris Martin is such a relief. Yeah. Truly a relief. More of those, please. Yep. Uh, a little bit of good news. Alex Verdugo is uh, headed back to the team, so should be activated on Tuesday from the bereavement list. So he will be back. Um, you know, I think it makes sense to address one of our questions. We get a question from TJ McPhee about the outfield, and he says, Adam Duvall hasn't been great at the plate this year. Uh, has been great at the plate this year, but is already a negative five DRS in center field. Should Duran be getting more playing time there instead? So while uh, Verdugo has been on the bereavement list, um, Duran has been getting the playing time in center field, and um, you know, Duval has shifted to right field. So, you know, what happens when Verdugo comes back? Where does uh, Duval play? Because he hasn't actually been great at the plate since he came back from the injury. What do you What do you guys think about that? Well, so I was uh, doing research for the next topic and stumbled into an article on yield MLB trade rumors from a couple of days ago about how uh, rival executives expect the Red Sox to shop Duvall here as we approach the trade deadline. And there was um, a couple sources cited here, uh, Pete Abraham and Mass Lives' Sean McAdam, um, who both 
had um, some thoughts on uh, Boston basically playing Duvall virtually every day right now, despite his lackluster performance uh, recently versus Duran's success to try and pump up his value and show other teams that he can play and deal him and then slide Duran in there. So that's one potential explanation for why he's playing more than Duran now um, to potentially keep him fresh to trade him somewhere else to then give Duran the everyday job in center. Um, I, I mean, it kind of makes sense. They basically, it's a weird spot for them to have depth. It's like one of the only positions they do have depth. And Duvall is obviously not the long-term option. So it makes sense to basically kind of not, not pawn him off on somebody somebody else, but say like, hey, thanks for that first two weeks. That was incredible. That was a whole lot of fun. But uh, we're going to send you somebody else and uh, just let Durant take over. Yeah, I mean, to your point, um, over the last 15 games since he's been back, he's hitting 163, 268, 306 with a 51 WRC plus, striking out nearly 36% of the time. So yeah, he's uh, he's not providing a whole lot. On either side of the ball. So to answer your question, yes, uh, Duran should be getting time in center field and uh, playing over him. So I think a few weeks ago we talked about that the best fit for a trade might actually be moving an outfielder for another position of need. And like middle and, infield. Yeah, yes. we talked about it uh, first and foremost. Verdugo being traded for Bieber. Yes, so you mentioned Verdugo. I mean, we talked about Kike a little bit, that he might be a better fit on a different team. And then Duvall's another example. I, I really think you could see one of these three outfielders getting moved before the deadline if they you know, don't want to trade their minor leaguers. This kind of makes more sense. I mean, they, they, have, they have a lot of everyday players. And I think Duvall will come on. I mean, we saw him get a couple doubles yesterday. I think... You know, he's had major wrist injuries the last two years. So you have to, as Keaton said, show that he's healthy and on a heater before someone's going to take the chance to actually give a significant player back. He needs to show semblance of what he was doing before the injury. Um, you know, because having back-to-back major injuries to your wrist like that in two straight years is concerning that that could happen again. This is why you always sell high on April 10th. <laughs> course the old uh, april 10th sell, sell high i don't know why they didn't think of that keaton yeah foolish you, you wanted yeah we, we were all saying trade adam to fall in those second week podcasts <laughs> yeah. i forgot about that get the tape <laughs> okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No All right. Well, let's get to another question here. Um, we had a question from Alex Selly, and he said, uh, what moves do you think Bloom makes at the deadline slash players do you want to see in a Sox uniform? And uh, this kind of leads into our next topic because we were we were talking last week with Chad Jennings and uh, all the reasons why it's likely that the Red Sox will be buyers. And the two reasons are that Bloom and Cora presumably want to have jobs next year. Um, and both of them would be in danger of not having said jobs if uh, they don't do well this year. So we decided to come up with some trade targets. Um, this list was compiled by me and Bob and Keaton. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to read some of the names here and you guys can jump in and talk about it. So basically what, what we did here is went through a bunch of the teams that we think uh, might be sellers and, uh, you know, compiled players that we think might uh, help the Red Sox. So some starting pitchers uh, that we mentioned. So Shane Bieber, who we just talked about, uh, Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito from the White Sox, uh, Matt Boyd and Michael Lorenzen from the Detroit Tigers. Um, those were the starters. Uh, the relievers uh, that we mentioned were, would be uh, Kendall Graveman and Joe Kelly from the White Sox. Yes, most of their teams for sale. Uh Scott Barlow and Araldis Chapman from the uh, Royals, uh, David Robertson and Adam Ottavino from the Mets, imagine the Mets selling, and uh, Brad Hand from Colorado. And then for the position player side, middle infielders, we had Tim Anderson, um, we had Paul DeYoung on here as well to maybe fix some of those issues. Um, and I threw in a catcher uh, because, you know, White Sox. Uh, yes, Monty Grandal, whose contract is going to be up soon. He's a steady veteran presence. Um, I thought the idea of adding him might be interesting. Let's start with you, Keaton. Who do you want to talk about on this list of uh, potential free agents? Any any stand out to you as particularly good fits for the Red Sox? Yeah. Um, well, on the was it two or two or three weeks ago? pod now um i brought up tim anderson as an option for the middle infield i still think that would be a very good fit um i actually do like the the paul de young fit as well um and then i actually have two other names for starting pitchers that i wanted to add to this list that i found um while i was just scrambling here that i'm curious to get your guys thoughts on um one is marcus stroman uh, the Cubs are kind of middle of the pack here um, and not not doing anything all that overwhelming. Um, however, he is having a hell of a season um, and has had a pretty pretty solid couple of seasons in a row here. Um, he's kind of reinvented himself here by just pitching to his strengths uh, and has become an incredibly consistent and very good pitcher. And one hiccup could be that pretty sure he still hates Boston and probably doesn't want to come here. So that might be one thing. Uh, and then the other pitcher is uh, Max Scherzer, 
who um, has his weird contract with the Mets um, and obviously has an opt-out. So it, it could just be for one year. Um, and given the that the Mets are the Mets, depending on the, the kind of players that you end up sending over, they could end up eating all or most of the money. Um, and then you could kind of get Max Scherzer for the little push here. I feel like that one makes more sense if you legitimately feel like you have a chance to push into the playoffs and do some like legitimate damage there. Um, that I feel like that needs to be combined with a couple other moves to really kind of shore up the roster. Um, but if that ends up being the way that they go and they end up being buyers, uh, interesting one to think about. I'll let you go first, Bob. There. What do you think about uh, those two names? Um, I think because they both have opt outs after this year, that it unless they, I don't think they opt out at this point. Scherzer's owed forty three million a year. Stroman's owed twenty four next year. So, I think Stroman is probably uh, that's a lot. You know, I don't think he's a twenty four million dollar pitcher that they would want to have on the books going into this offseason when they are trying to, to clear out that space and same thing with Scherzer as you said I mean it's possible that they take on some of that salary but they don't have that much room to take on and those players have you know potential contracts for next year so it's interesting I mean I think the general point about Scherzer is like the Mets are they eight under 500 or seven under 500 I mean that is like the most fascinating wild card team out of all of this because I'm looking at you know these rosters on Kansas City and Oakland and Pittsburgh and you know whoever else that I was trying to find names on earlier we keep coming back to Chicago Chicago White Sox that makes the most sense but like do the Mets just want a bailout do they just want a reset like you know the Red Sox did with the Dodgers when they traded you know, their four highest salaries over to Magic Johnson and the crew Was 10 years ago. Was that a Bernie ago. Madoff joke, by the way? <laughs> it was not, but that's a good call by you. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's so interesting to hear you bring up Scherzer and that we're talking about the Mets. And Jake, you mentioned a couple names over there as well. But I don't know. I, th- those guys have huge salaries, and I don't know that they're going to take that on. I'm kind of looking... I feel I sh- like that I would be, be more wishful, but that would be the anti-Bloom thing to do is take on Max Scherzer. Like you'd have to fire Bloom to get him to take on Max Scherzer's money at this point. Like, isn't that? It feels like it'd be anti every fiber in his body. I would love it because I love Max Scherzer, but I just feel like that's never going to happen. And the thing about Stroman that I couldn't stop thinking about when you were talking about him, Keaton, is like. Yes, Stroman is having a hell of a year for the Cubs. The Cubs defense versus the Red Sox defense could not be more different. Like ball pitcher, right? Yeah, like sixty percent ground balls. Their defense is electric. They just added Dansby Swanson, and I mean they've got like legitimate shortstops playing second base and stuff. Over here, he would have a five ERA. <laughs> what are his? Yeah, so his indicators, right? Uh, XFIP is 364, FIP is 336. So they're giving him a full run to a run and a half, depending on what you look at with those. I mean, but your point, Keaton, was that are they going to take on part of the salary? 
and that's one part, but are they going to, is he going to opt in? Are either of those players going to opt into to the next part of 2024? Well, I mean, um, I, Scherzer, I would be a little bit worried about, but Stroman, I actually wouldn't be. Um, his option for next year is 21. And, okay. I mean, he's got four straight years of being really damn good. And I'd be pretty comfortable with it, especially just kind of the going rate for pitchers now. Um, yeah. And it's one year. It's not like he he's opting in for like three more years at, at twenty one. He would just he'd be opting in for one more year at twenty one. So I would end up being fine with it if he ended up opting in because I, I think I, I kind of started to talk about it a little bit. Um, he's made a significant change here where he stopped trying to basically strike everybody out that he's faced um, since he left. Toronto and he's actually just started to do what makes him good as a pitcher and focus on his control, keeping things low, mixing his pitches and it's made him incredibly successful. Yeah. And that it's just kind of that simple as just doing what makes you good and just repeating it. And that's what he's, he's been able to do and and that's why he's been good. And, you know, Jake loves guys that, you know, pitch a whole bunch of innings um, and he's he's pretty darn close to a lock for 150 plus every year. So, um, it's for 200 this year. Yeah. Oh, I love Stroh as a pitcher. Don't get me wrong; like he's exactactly the type of guy that I like to watch. You're you're 100 percent right. Like he mixes his pitches. He's a true pitcher. Um, he doesn't care about blowing it by guys. Yeah, I I'm with you. I'm just very nervous about the idea of who is going to be fielding those ground balls, right? Like that's the big problem. Yeah. If they couple that move, if they go out and get Stroh and then they go out and get Paul DeYoung, like, okay, yeah, I'm there. I'm with it. But uh, yeah, right now it just seems like kind of a, a, a tough sell for me. Um, and honestly, I'm not sure Chicago doesn't think that they can win that division right now because that division is, I mean, it's up there for worse than baseball. It's between that and the AL Central. I think the AL Central is probably a little bit worse, but, you know, it's not inconceivable that any of your, those teams could win it. Your Reds are going to take that division and run with it. You know I hope that. so. I hope so. I want to see Joey Votto uh, do good things. But I want to get to you next, Bob, because you threw a couple names on this list that I didn't want to go near with a 10-foot pole in Matt Boyd (laughs) and uh, Michael Lorenzen. What on earth do you see in those guys? Because I don't want my name associated with them. So, man, this is such like a buzzkill after everything that Keaton was just talking about, bringing up these exciting names. (laughs) I know. I was just trying to be a little bit... uh... More realistic on what I think Hyam Bloom's going to do. Not that that is a crazy a idea, downer. but just um, so Lorenzen. I, I'm I'm looking at teams. I'm trying to find arms that um, have one year contracts that have two or three million dollars prorated, which Lorenzen and Boyd both have. Um, Lorenzen's stuff numbers are 
over 100. He's at 102, you know, pitching plus, kind of 100 plus on Eno Saris's model. So his stuff's been good this year. Over the last 30 days, he has a 3.86 ERA, a 1.10 whip, an 18.2 K minus walk. He's had, um, or excuse me, 18% K, 5% walk, so 13%, but he's he's got the walks down. I just think he's an arm that they could add um, to kind of tread water and get through the stretch that we're talking about here. That that they if they need to do something now, I think Detroit would sell one of these arms now. Like I think that they know that they're not competing, and I think that you could get somebody at the All Star break or earlier to tread water for a month until help gets back, or you know if you think that sales going to come back in August or September or something like that, right? So he's one. I totally understand what you're saying about Boyd. I think that, um, you know, he's had a couple of decent outings recently, but that's not a very exciting name, I would agree. His ERA hasn't been that good, but all of his indicators, his FIP, XFIP, Sierra over the last month have all been in the low threes. He's striking out 28.3% of batters that he faces over the last 30 days. So this is not... A splash by any means I'm just thinking they don't have a, a ton of room and who could you bring in that you only have to pay two or three million dollars prorated for the stretch run of the season that can give you innings that have starting pitcher experience because I don't see that on Kansas City or Oakland like you're gonna trade for one in 12 Jordan Lyles um, or you know Hogan Harris or something like that I mean I just I cannot find a name on those teams so that's where I landed all right, let me bring this thing back uh, because I don't think either of those... I think Lorenzen might help you a little bit, but I don't think Matt Boyd does anything for you if you trade for him. Um, I'm going to focus on two two names here. Uh, Lucas Giolito and Shane Bieber. Both of these guys are 28 years old. Um, both of them are, let's just say, former aces. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that Bieber... And Giolito may still have some ace capabilities, but they're not like the top of the line pitcher that they have been at different points in their career. Um, Giolito is on his last year uh, with the team. So the Chicago White Sox have expressed a willingness to shop guys who are expiring. Um, he's having a good season. Shane Bieber's got two years left potentially this year and next which would be his last arbitration year. You know, Bieber, we all know, is a great pitcher who throws a lot of innings, you know, certainly been hit harder this year than in past years, but he still has a 3.69 ERA. Um, strikeout stuff is down, but he really knows how to pitch. I love Bieber. Uh, Lucas Giolito, I think, is probably having a better season. He's got the 3.41 ERA. Um striking out more guys, not walking a lot of guys. 6'6", I mean, great, great curveball, fastball. Um, he looked really good against the Red Sox as well. You know, both of these guys would be huge, huge difference makers for the Red Sox. And I think that especially with Giolito or, or really Bieber, these would also be guys that the team might be interested in re-signing long term. So... I love the idea of going out and getting a true impact guy because when I look at this list of guys that we came up with, I mean, there's not a lot of impact on this list. And I think either one of those guys, 
not only excites the fan base, but it also excites the locker room and gives you a guy who can kind of fill in for Chris Sale and a guy who, you know, we would want to have on this team moving forward. You know, a guy who we'd look forward to trying to re-sign. Why would Cleveland sell right now if they're tied for first in the lost column, a game out of first? I'm That's what tell I'm trying you to why. figure out. I think Giolito's totally within, you know, I think he'll get a haul just because of how good he's been lately. Um, but I, I just, I don't know why Cleveland would sell. I'll tell you why Cleveland would sell. Cleveland can't develop offensive players. Um, and I think that if you offered something around young hitting prospects, plus a guy like uh, Verdugo, I think you could argue that their rotation doesn't get that much worse with uh, Bybee, Savali, Gavin Williams, Logan Allen being in there. And then they also have guys like Cal Quantrill and Tristan McKenzie who are on the IL right now, but who could potentially come back uh, mm-hmm. soon. They have a guy who could come up in Hunter Gaddis. Joey Cantillo is having a good season for them. Like They're excellent at developing young starting pitching, and they're terrible at developing uh, the hitting side of things, and the Red Sox are pretty much the opposite. So I think that you know, they probably aren't super looking forward to paying Bieber's final arbitration year. His skills are certainly on the decline versus what they used to be. I think it's one of those challenge trades that I agree with you. It's rare in baseball for that to happen. But uh, a financially conscious club like the Guardians might be willing to do something like that. I think that whole crew of... Bybee and Allen and Gavin Williams, you know, if they have Bieber, if they have those other pitchers you mentioned coming back and Bieber is a horse at the front, you wonder if they'd move one of the starters for a hitting prospect of equal caliber. But Maybe. no, I mean, there's there's so many. I mean, when everybody's healthy, that is a crazy deep rotation. And that's my only thought is that I think that they'll probably die. I would take them to win the division again. Yeah, I still think, I just think that they might be able to still win the division by adding some offense and trading it's just like one of those things strength for strength you know i know i'm just gonna get fired up about matthew boyd so you can live in your world (laughs) okay what's i guess also what is the incentive for them to push to sneak into the playoffs winning the division at 500 to get worked by baltimore and then they're out. Yeah, they're going to get worked by whoever they play. Well, I don't have a good answer, except that these are short series and they have good pitching and you got Jose yeah. Ramirez and, you know, we've seen weird shit happen in the playoffs. The Cardinals won a World Series with 83 wins. It's a weird year. You look at the standings, it is a True. weird year. There are so many teams that are in it and explosive teams that aren't in it I, I don't know like with the Mets and the Padres not even close yeah uh, and Tampa's been terrible and showed their cracks recently I I don't know it, it, things, it seems a more wide open season than most years I do love the idea of Giolito though that'd be great I think that's he's yeah. attainable I, you know I think that he'll you know that'll be there you know, we talked about what Boston could get for Paxton. I think 
Giolito is going to be their best sell. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, that pretty much wraps up that discussion. Um, you know, the relievers, we're not really going to dive too deep into the, the relief stuff if they get a reliever, cool. Um, you know, we'll see what they do. It's hard to predict, harder to predict than uh, even past years, I think. Lance Lynn. Uh, I already went on the Lance Lynn rant on the previous episode, but that's my other one. Yeah, yeah. Lance, Lance Lynn, always an option. I, I mean, the only team I listed out here was the White Sox. They're pretty much their whole team's available, it seems like. Yep. Uh, speaking we... of... Oh, Shel, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, speaking of relievers they could slash could have traded for... This was the segue to Shelly's question here for you, Jake. Oh, thank, oh nice. thanks. <laughs> thanks, Keaton. I, I needed that. All right. So our final listener question comes from Shelly. First rate, first rate, uh, former member of the show. Uh, also a good friend to all three of us. So Shelly, thank you for still supporting us. We love you. Um, she says, let's revisit the Mookie trade outside of the obvious of keeping Mookie. And, uh, you know, not talking about someone who saved money there. Um, the Sox were going to get Verdugo and Gratterall, but because of uh, the injury concerns with Gratterall, they ended up getting Verdugo, Jeter Downs, and Connor Wong. So which side would we take now? So th- keeping Mookie is not an option. It's either Verdugo, Gratterall, or what we got. Uh, let's start with you, Bob. What would you do? Which side would you take? This is a really good question, and it's crazy to think that you could still take the side that they have now with Jeter Downs not on the team. If you had asked this question two years ago, say, what is wrong with you? Um, but I would take the side that they have now because I think whether he's a – 162 catcher or not i absolutely even though you know he's in a slump right now i absolutely love what connor wong brings defensively i love just kind of his throws how quick his release is um and just i've i feel when when wong is behind the plate um that you know he's he's been really fun to watch this year and they're you know gratterall did not become shut down closer that he had the potential to be he throws so hard and he doesn't strike guys out which is crazy you know he gets the ball on the ground you know well more than a 60 percent ground ball rate most years so he's still an effective reliever but i i can't believe that for as many innings as he's logged in in the the league at this point that he hasn't been a closer so i would take the catcher i'm 100 percent on your side with this i i like connor wong a lot better than Gratterall. Um, yeah, it, it is crazy to think that Jeter Downs pretty much washed out and, you know, we're we're still taking that side. Keaton, wh- what would you go with? I would take Gratterall. Really? Nice. Yeah. Okay. What, what about Gratterall do you like more than Wong? A handful of things. I feel like um, unless you have one of the like generational catchers um it's really kind of plug and play although the obviously the defense is a great point 
Um, very strong defense from Wong. Not disappointed in anything that he's brought to the table. But uh, Gradwell doesn't walk anybody. And I love that. And Not to bring also, it full circle, Keaton. Yeah, right? Um, and he doesn't have the overpowering strikeout numbers that he had in the minors, but um, he's still crazy effective. He doesn't give up homers. The sinker's nasty. The velocity's there. He's 24, and um, he's is used in the high leverage role. Uh, four saves, 10 holds last year. Already has four saves, seven holds this year. Um, obviously, prior to this year, was blocked by Jensen um, and still has time to develop into uh, the closer. Um, and he is used in high leverage roles with the Dodgers now at, at 24 years old. So to have a high leverage guy that throws extremely hard and doesn't walk anybody, I would love that. You know, you make a really good case, actually. Um yeah, I, I'm looking at the numbers for for Gradrol, and it is pretty impressive. So, uh, I don't know. It's it's an I'm excellent torn. question. I see both sides. I I had to look at this for a while. Yeah, I was I was honestly expecting when I looked at this for Wong to have the higher F WAR, um, but he's at zero point five, and Gradrol's at zero point seven, which is pretty exceptional for this point in the season for a reliever. So Gratterall is definitely enjoying his best season ever, and he's still only 24. And he's been able to stay healthy too, which is the thing that we were scared about um, when we almost had him on the team. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Not surprising that it came from Shelly. Um, all right, that's it. That's the show today. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, please rate, review, uh, follow the show, um, subscribe to it, and uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow Bob at BobOzGood15. You can follow Keaton at the Spoken Keats. You can follow me at, at DevJake. And you can find all of our writings at OverTheMonster.com. We thank you very much for being with us. We'll be with you again next week. Bye.